So, good morning. Um, I'd like to welcome those who have made it through the night after uh, we began last night. Trust you had a good night's sleep. Can you hear me? Great, good to know. Um, we have uh, the privilege of quite a few days of meditation practice ahead, and we want to go into building up uh, competence, stillness, and familiarity with uh, one's mind very quietly and very steadily. So we will do a sequence of uh, instructions, reflections, and guided meditations. Right now, this is the reflection phase, so I would prefer your open-eyed attention. Um, it is important to have maps. Now, maps never really pan out to be as the terrain, but maps help us inform, even if they're not quite accurate, even if they simplify, they help us to um, understand what phenomena we're dealing with, they sharpen our attentional faculties, and um, as a French scientist uh, said, uh, when it comes to investigation, nature favors the prepared mind. Yeah. Even if what we were expecting doesn't quite happen, the fact that we were focusing our attention on some expectation is probably priming us for something interesting to happen. It's no secret where our exercises are coming from. They come from the, a set of teachings in Buddhist practical Buddhist uh, psychology, Satipatthana teachings. There are two famous texts in the Pali Canon, or in fact three famous texts. Um, but there are many more of those texts, um, some of the most alive teachings on the topic of Satipatthana are not in the Satipatthana suttas, and we will all draw from these teachings. This is a treasure trove of contemplative wisdom, and all of that wisdom bluntly agrees that it is necessary for us to connect and relate to the somatic part of our experience, to be with body. Now, this is a very commonplace thing to say, uh, seems plausible, and there's a deeper wisdom to this. Meditation traditions across the board see necessity that we learn to sustain different types of attention on phenomena of the body. Not just observing them, but actually feeling them, relating them, modulating them, uh, being able to be very precise and focused, being able to be open and receptive. Uh, there's a whole gamut. There's a thousand and one ways you can meditate. And it's important that you find out what you do already. I'm doing this long enough to know that uh, I have some suspicions about you people. Yeah? Some of these suspicions are, uh, A, you already know what it is really about, and you, you don't hear the bits that don't confirm this. You only hear the bits that confirm what you already know. Uh, or you may be hearing the bits you're afraid, I will say. Yeah? That's also possible. So I'm conscious that we're dealing with some quite complex matters, most of us are relating to one's own experiences already uh, an art in itself, and 
um, if meditation has taught me one thing, it is that the way I relate to my own experience has changed dramatically over the last 35 years. If I was told this 35 years ago, I probably would have not heard this message. So I don't hold it against you if you don't hear this message. But it is nevertheless true. Yeah. Um, the think of meditation as of a growing intelligence in which you relate to your own experience. Yeah. Life, learning and meditation above all things is relational. The smallest unit of experience is not one, it's two. Even if you're alone on the moon, you're still in relationship to your experience. Yeah. There's something intrinsically dyadic about relationship and about being in this world. So how we relate to ourselves is going to both be part of meditation experience and it's going to influence deeply of what quality of mind we experience. Before this can be reasonably tackled, met, sometimes uh, savored and sometimes confronted, um, some things need to be in place. Our capacity to stay with bodily phenomena, with things we feel in the body that are neither emotions nor thoughts nor concepts, but actually felt qualities of embodied experience. Uh, all meditation tradition, wherever you look, have agreed that this is the rock bottom. If we have this in place, we can really lean out of the window. If we don't have this in place, many, th many unfortunate things can happen to us. The mind is a, f a bag full of tricks. It's capricious. It is capable of delusions that the body is not capable of. So if we learn to relate to bodily experience in realistic ways, if we learn how to meet, inquire, modulate, stay with bodily experience. Um, our loins are well girded to meet uh, some of the um, wilder colors of mind, some of the challenges along the way and some of the delights along the way. So we would like to emphasize right from the beginning uh, the component of Satipatthana teaching that is referred to as Kaya Nupassana, body contemplation. And uh, this, to give you the last bit of theory, uh, has traditionally six segments. Uh, the first of them is in the Pali recension of the text is mindfulness of breathing as part of body exercises. The second one is about posture and orientation of the body in space. The third one is about um, Clear comprehending, clearly comprehending what the body does and staying within one's embodied presence when moving off the cushion or on the cushion. Then we have a contemplation of elements, which we'll touch on. And finally, we have two types of contemplation which are distinctly less uh, famous in body contemplations, namely the contemplating of the composite nature of the body that this body is made up of organs which can be contemplated. And finally, we, the least famous of all is the, the charnel ground contemplations, which are precisely uh, a set of exercises to bring very illustratively to the fore that these bodies are um, 
perishable and that they are uh, prone to dissolution. Um, we will spend most of our time on, on three of those practices, namely breath, uh, posture, and uh, Sampajanya practices. Well, the mindfulness, comp- clear comprehension practices will be the most, uh, mostly emphasized in these coming days. So, let us start right at the beginning. Sorry to bore you if you've heard this before. <coughs> Let's start with posture. Posture is not something you have. Posture is something you do. You keep, do, have to do when you sit. You have to meet, you have to begin at the beginning. You can't capitalize on tons of uh, years of practice. Yeah. That won't make it uh, unnecessary for you to begin at the beginning every time you sit yourself down. So. This is uh, one of the blessings of the Japanese tradition. If you have a genuine safu underneath you, then uh, this should be filled with kapok. If you have a, <coughs> uh, a degenerate form of safu beneath you, then this is probably filled with um, spelt or something like it. Both are useful. If you have the kapok version, pummel them. Yeah, They love to be pummeled, so they regain their loft and they stop looking uh, flat and sad. So I ascertain what you're sitting on and uh, give it its appropriate handling. The spelt, don't pummel them. They just start to give off dust. So either way, think of this thing not as something to uphold through your posture. Think of this thing as a wedge, okay? Try conceiving of this as something that enables you to do less muscular effort. Now... Obviously, um, the idea is you start right here at the small of your back. Try with the flat, the back of your hand and feel the small of your back and actually fill this out. You don't want this to be hollow. I know there is an anatomical hollow there, uh, which is great for walking and running. For our purpose, sitting, you should try to fill this out as much as possible for a variety of reasons. One of them is why... Uh, because your uh, diaphragm is connected to it, and if your diaphragm is relaxed, it means your breathing is relaxed. And if your diaphragm is not relaxed, A, by hollowing it, for example, or by hunching, either which pulls your diaphragm, which is a mixture of a membrane and a muscle, your breath will be labored or less free. Um, So feel your belly, feel the small of your back, and just... Acknowledge the solidity of this. I mean, it is obviously a lot easier if you have a belly like me uh, in this exercise, but if push comes to shove, you probably can do it without. Yeah. So take, close your eyes, take stock for a moment, and just feel the fullness of your weight going through the sit bones into the cushion, into your bench. If you're on a chair, you do exactly the same. Make sure both of your feet are flat and you sense the weight going through your sit bones into your sitting uh, construction. The next key area is upper chest. So you want to open this part. Just touch your bronchial area. Just kind of breathe in and imagine as if you're pushing your hand out. Really wide and you feel... Already now you may feel that the left side is not quite doing what the right side is doing. 
So without hollowing the small of your back, you try to open this out. So imagine something gently stroking you upward on the sternum and downward beneath your shoulder blades. Yeah, so, so this opens up. This may feel exaggerated or artificial or even a little bit conceited. Doesn't matter. Um, anything that deviates from what you usually do will feel artificial and slightly awkward. Okay? If what you usually do hasn't made you enlightened by now, it is probably safe to risk deviating from it. Yeah? So the third key area I'd like to bring your attention to now is the position of your head. Yeah, we're trying to elongate your neck. Imagine you're being pulled upwards. Still, the, s the small of your back remains full. Your chest remains open. You can feel your hips above your shoulders. And now you imagine that this head is being slightly pulled upwards on an imaginary, in my case, lock above your uh, cranium. So once you do that, you start moving your chin a little bit. You pull it in, you lengthen the back of your neck, you push it forward, and the area around your larynx becomes nice and soft. And then you pull back in, and you do that. Exaggerate. Just really exaggerate how far it goes. Now somewhere on the trajectory of your chin is a place where your head, A, has the least amount of weight, and B, where you feel that you're actually, the tone in your neck and the tone in your throat is similar. Muscular tone is similar. So see whether you can find that point. So if this is not the point where it feels most normal, don't be concerned. It is likely not the point where it feels most normal. Try to ascertain these two qualities, lightness of the head and evenness of muscular tone in back of the neck and in throat. Now try to ascertain also how the, the midline of your body runs through the top of your cranium, your neck, chest, upper, be upper belly, lower belly, into your sitting construction. You feel your sit bones, you feel the symmetry of the di distribution of your weight, you feel your sh hips and shoulders aligned. Still, the idea that you're being slightly pulled upwards, your spine gently experiencing a kind of traction from that upward pull, and then you're trying to relax into this. Take some of the artificiality out of it. Just kind of relax into this optimized sitting erect. Great. If you would be kind enough to open your eyes again and come back here. So, this is a little exercise I would like you uh, to do at the beginning of every session. 
obviously with some routine it uh, can go a lot faster than what we've just done but I recommend that you keep revisiting this keep revisiting this um, one of the reasons why Buddhist traditions meditation traditions are so insistent about feeling the body not just getting the body to perform or to not produce pain or to to be the vehicle for samatha or something like that but it is the feeling of the body that is our most reliable connection to ourselves and to others. It is through feeling ourselves we feel others. Yeah? The empathetic response entails that we feel ourselves. We can imagine how others feel, that's important. There is a cognitive uh, empathy. It's important that we can imagine how somebody feels. Um, but it's also important, maybe even more important, that we can actually feel ourselves. And we feel others by feeling ourselves. It's unlikely that we can feel from others things that we cannot feel from ourselves. Yeah? If I don't know about my own anxieties or about my own tension or about my own well-being, energy, delight, uh, physical well-being, I am probably not very good at either detecting that in others, appreciating that in others, helping others to feel that. So it's a profoundly relational skill we're training here. There are other reasons why body is crucial. <coughs> Bodies happen only now. So whenever you have to do with your body, you always have to do with uh, the immediate knee pain. You never get yesterday's knee pains or tomorrow's migraines. Whenever you have knee pain or migraine, it's always happening in the present moment. So one of the great advantages of body is it doesn't extend into past and future. Your only access to body phenomena is present moment awareness. Yeah. The body does remember, but when it remembers, the memory takes place now. Yeah. So by being connected to what's happening in the body, we're connected to the present moment. Much already is won by that. There are a couple of things that only happen in the present moment. Understanding, happiness, insight, compassion, uh, capacity to enjoy, learning. All this can only happen now. Yeah? If we're preoccupied with rearranging our past or protecting against an imaginary future, um, we're not capable of learning, not capable of enjoying, not capable of understanding, not capable of relating compassionately. Yeah. There's some considerable good reasons to stay with an embodied now. We miss out much through not being in that present moment, which is a rubbery term. It's not a clean now. You know, so Sometimes people tell me that now is you know, there's the past, the rock, the, the, the mountain range of the past, and then there is the, the abyss, of the, and down at the bottom is the now, and then here is the future. Yeah? It's not like that. Now is not a point. It's a construction. The present moment is a little bridge up here, above the gorge. Sometimes that bridge is longer, sometimes that bridge is shorter. That's the, the bit which is interesting. Not an imaginary now. We can move in and hopefully nothing bad will ever happen to us if we've moved into the now. That's a Buddhist myth. A bad one. There are good ones. But this one is a bad one. 
So getting into the present moment via the body, easy enough, but there are problems. So one of the problems is this, we are a little snooty with bestowing our attention. Generally, we have demands. We say, before I really attend, it has to promise me something. If it doesn't offer me something, I'm not actually paying attention. The, there is not a much, there's not enough in it for me. So rather than just be with a boring little feeling of sitting here digesting my breakfast, I think a few fascinating thoughts. Yeah? It's a lot more fun. Yeah? I plan my fascinating future. Or I ruminate about something that has been horrible or anything more intense than just sitting here with the body after a breakfast in a reasonably well-heated room with a bunch of other people. This is not traumatic enough to deserve my precious attention. Yeah? So there's a sort of deal going on. It says, before I attend, you have to be interesting. When you're interesting enough, and only as long as you are, I'm going to stay with you. As soon as you move below threshold, I move off. Yeah? So there's, there is that habit. And it means if we want to stay with the embodied presence, we need to meet that habit. And we encounter our resistance at being with things that are either not attractive enough or mildly unpleasant or considerably unpleasant. And we need to be able to forsake things that seem more promising, more gratifying, more giving us immediate reward. Now, this is a difficult decision. And habitually, we favor maximizing of pleasure and minimizing of pain or discomfort. This is the sane and healthy response. Unfortunately, sanity and health alone will not bring us enlightenment. Awakening. Yeah? Growing up needs more than just sanity. It's easier to do this growing up business if you're sane and have healthy responses. But it is not enough. So, what we suggest is that we learn to refine your attention to certain features of your bodily experience. The first one is obviously just how, with how much of myself can I be here right now. If you close your eyes, uh, we're doing something more guided now. We're switching from reflection to more experiential. So I'd like to ask you to take up an upright posture again. Recall some of these exercises we've just done. And just rather than doing something new, just acknowledge what actually already happens. What happens with our attention? Where does it go, for example? What is predominant when I look at what pulls or invites my attention? And I'm speaking of bodily things, not things of thinking, not commenting, which will likely happen at the background, but I would like you to foreground actively an open, receptive, kindly awareness of what's happening in your body, which parts are most obvious to you right now on a felt level. I just tell you a little bit how it feels for me and you will have to see what happens on that channel for you. So I sense my weight, these are most Mostly my, I sense my most reliable sensations, pressure, contact, touch, anything to do with tactile experience involving my skin, 
can feel the warmth of my hands that I'm not sure whether it's the hands or the legs that exude that warmth. can feel the texture of my trousers. I sense my sit bones on my small cushion. feel the forehead that is a little more frowned than I would like it. The dryness of my lips. I feel where on my arms the jumper, uh, the sleeves of my jumper. Uh, I can sense the stretch. And then I can zoom out and become bigger. In that bigger, full-bodied, slightly more amorphous awareness of this body here, warm, sheltered, sitting. I can feel the alignment that goes through this body. There's something nice to feel that it is carried, that it knows how to hold itself up. Feel that most strongly in the lower back. Feel a widening in my chest. I feel a disproportion that one of my sides is more accentuated, seems to have more texture. I can feel how the belly moves in the rhythm of my breathing. can kind of feel the vibration of these sounds that are in the air, in the body. You know, there's the hum, which probably is from the furnace. I can hear the water in the pipes or the, the AC, whatever it is. I can hear my own voice and all these have different places of resonance in the body. When I turn to these sensations, the space opens. There are huge gaps where I don't seem to feel anything. When I hover and wait, suddenly a texture comes in, something soft, amorphous, nondescript. It seems as if more pieces of myself come onto the inner map, the representation of this body in my mind seems to fill out. Take a moment to just acknowledge what's there and also particularly take a moment to feel that although the dominant sensations, the dominant parts of the body that feel most clearly are not the only thing I can pay attention to. I can choose to pay attention to something that is less dominant. Even though the dominant thing is more beckoning, the dominant part seems to draw more of my attention. I can actually choose to go to a more quiet place. I don't need to 
to give all my attention to the part that seems to call loudest. Although habitually I would do that, I actually have a choice. Spend the moment and keep asking when you find yourself with the body sensation, where is the edge of it? Where does it end? What is it connected with? Acknowledge also what comes up in your mind. Maybe you feel this is not clear enough, or you, you're losing it, or you want more control. Just acknowledge these things. It's likely that something nagging is going on. And see whether you can hover. So feel, and then you go to that place where it feels. Okay. You're not observing it from the top, from a sort of orbital satellite position, but you're actually feeling something and then you're going with your attention to that place. You feel it from where it's happening. I like to call this inhabiting. You inhabit that part that is feeling. So we're inhabiting ourselves here, inhabiting an arm, a wrist, A naughty part, a soft and gently warm part. See whether you can do this tenderly. One of my teachers and friends calls this affectionate attention. So take a moment and gently Pervade your body with that welcoming, curious, childlike attention that doesn't want to change, but is willing to receive, to acknowledge and to be with. Yeah? Let's take a moment to do this.
Please acknowledge what your attention is preoccupied with and if necessary bring it back gently to body, to the differing dimensions of bodily experience. One of these dimensions has to do with the surface of the body, what the skin feels, temperature, warmth, draft, touch, texture, varieties of contact experience. That's one dimension. Another dimension is is verticality. There are parts of the body above other parts. With the help of my proprioception, the body knows where other parts of the body are. I can feel whether my nose is above my navel. I can feel whether my shoulders are above my hips. This third dimension is the fact that this body takes space. It inhabits space. It has volume. An easy way to feel this is when I breathe in and the widening of my chest tells me that the space I, this body inhabits becomes larger. Beyond just breathing, I can feel with the help of interoception that this body has a size. I can feel how big a hand is. I can feel that there is something happening between my belly and the small of my back. There is depth. So see whether you can feel and inhabit the spaces of the body, starting from clear physical sensations and then moving outward, enveloping these sensations with a kindly, curious inquiry. Uh, an awareness that feels over the edge of the sensation we started with. So, and gradually parts of this body come onto our map and warmly presence feels our embodied shape. The warm, soft animal of the body, as Mary Oliver puts it. And it's a felt quality of our experience of being here. Breathing, sensate, resonant.
Please take a stretch and uh, I'll pass you on to Catherine for some walking instructions. If you want to sit down, I'll say a few things about walking. Um, just a little bit about the day first. The, we'll, we'll offer little bits of instruction throughout today. So um, we'll say a little bit about the standing in the next period at, ele- at 10 and offer a reflection before lunch as well. Um, and we just need a bell ringer. Nobody has signed up or filled the space yet to ring the bell at 11.20 so that we can be back in here at 11.30. Would anybody like to do that? It's, I think it's every day, isn't it? Is it every day? Yeah, thanks. And another one for the 2.05 bell. Anyone up for doing that? Highly meritorious activity. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Okay. Um, and then we'll meet back after lunch at 2.15. And today at 2.45, there'll be a chance to ask questions as well to, as we begin our time together. <coughs> so, uh, the theme of body, we will continue uh, the first few days of this retreat, really giving attention to this ground of uh, bringing our attention to bear with the body. For the walking meditation, first I'll just give the practical instruction, then I'll say a little bit about how we can think about it. So please uh, find a place to do a walking meditation practice. We have two, two walking rooms, or are there more than that? Two? There are more. Okay, you know where the other ones are. So we have a walking room here, a walking room downstairs, and the other ones. You can also go outside if you have the right gear and um, shoes that can manage on the snow and ice. Find a place where you can walk that's about uh, seven, eight yards uh, in length or a little longer. And the, how it looks from the outside, the gesture of the walking practice looks very simple. You stand at the beginning of your eight-yard length. You pause. You take a step. You bring your attention to bear with that place as your foot touches the ground. And you walk and cultivate and train the attention to meet this place of foot touching the ground. You walk to the end of your path. You turn around. You come back. This is how it looks from the outside. What's, what will support us to cultivate attention um, with body in the walking practice? One thing 
that supports it is uh, the immediacy, as Kinchino was speaking about, to know the sensation. So I'm going to stand and demonstrate. This is really to be known from the inside out. So as I speak, my intention is to, as Kinchino was doing when he gave the instruction, to know it from the inside Right? So it's not just an abstracted from above process. We're knowing it directly from the inside. So what will help bring our attention to meet the feet as we contact the earth, as the ground. Okay. So I take a step, heel, toe, feel the pad of my foot touching the ground here. Shall I hold that? Feel the pad of my foot touching the ground. How do I know that a step is happening? How do I know this step apart from the concept that says this is a step? How do I know it from the inside? Linger long enough here to let it be known, to let yourself know it. It's a slower read. R-E-A-D. It's a slower read often than our thoughts that can be faster and more sort of precise or, uh, you know, make themselves known in a certain way. Linger long enough. Let your weight drop in. Linger long enough to get the read of the sensation. Is it hard? Is it soft? Is it warm? Is it cool? How's the balance? Let me know it from the inside. This uh, affectionate attention. So we're affectionate with this body. We let the attention pool here as the pad, your animal foot, the pad of your foot finds its intelligence as you touch the ground. And this will let the mindfulness and attention pool naturally. It will pool and gather as we treat this animal body walking with respect, with affectionate attention. So I invite you to come to stand for a moment with me and we'll practice, I'll say, a couple of other supports for attention here. So maybe come to the hard part of the floor, um, I suggest. And let the knees be soft. So let's bounce a little bit first. (sighs) Let the breath drop down. A lot of us (sighs) are going to be making a journey of descent in the best possible way. So let the bouncing happen. Let the shoulders... I don't know how to handle all these different things all at once. Let the shoulders move a little bit. (sighs) Let the breath come down to the belly. Let yourself be full, a full animal here. And see if you can let go a little bit the control of the head center. Okay, let the hands be soft, shaking them a little bit like you got Washing up gloves on, rubber gloves on. Give them the shake. Shaking the backside a little bit. 
For that, you need good balance. Okay, and let the body come to rest, but let the, let the knees be soft. Okay, and let the pad of your foot, let it open. As if you knew, or maybe you do know, that it has full intelligence. That the pad of your foot can know directly this contact with the ground. Full intelligent animal here. Are you willing, just for this moment, to relinquish the insistence of our minds to want to what? Be in control? Preempt what's going to happen? It's a very courageous and quite humbling act, actually, just for one moment to let your attention right now come into that pad of your foot and give your weight back to the ground right now. Let your breath, your out-breath support you to drop your weight right into the pad of your foot. And then let the weight come to one foot Lift the foot, take a step. You might want to let the out-breath support you. Relinquish your weight through the pad of your foot. Let that pad spread out. Let it spread out. And this way our practice can be seen as a gesture also of offering. A gesture of offering ourselves back, offering the ways that we have steeled ourselves. You know, we have that in expression in English. We steal ourselves. We withdraw, we pull back. We make ourselves separate. Our practice can be a restoring of ourselves, plugging in to a bigger circuitry where our heart can start to rest just in the moment that we relinquish our weight back. So take complete the step. Bring the feet to equal standing. And let your breathing be known. One thing that can support the attention pooling here with the body is to have a clear intention to stay through the whole walking period to the end. That continuity really allows us to go slow enough for that attention to gather. For some of us, it's going to be a gathering of our attention from being more fragmented and scatty and all over the place. For some of us, it will be a softening of the rigidity of holding ourselves really tightly.
for each of us it will be nuanced excuse me as I get used to the mic for each of us it will be nuanced as we learn together and pool and land so let's walk and we'll meet back here um, at 10 o'clock for standing practice thank you
So we'll 